0: Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job by investing in real estate, and I want you to never have to work a job again. Now, today, we're gonna be talking to a fantastic investor who invests in land, who buys and sells land, flips land, and does passive income with land, and on top of that, he is building his own self-storage facility It's an awesome way to make money in passive income by investing in real estate. All right, let's start the show.
1: Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host,
0: Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm so glad you're here with me on the podcast. Now, today, as I'm recording it, is literally Valentine's Day today. Now, I might get some flack from this. Actually, my wife is probably not the most happy about it, but I really don't celebrate Valentine's Day. It just feels like a made-up holiday to take money out of it. Now, if there's a holiday... For buying real estate and giving it to your wife or something like that, that would be fantastic. I would definitely participate in that. But uh, anyways, I take it my family skiing. We're literally skiing right now, so we're having a ton of fun doing that. But as far as like you know Valentine's Day, ah, that's not for me. I'd rather save my money personally. Actually, that's what come to think about that. That's literally what I did for I want to say like seven years. So working a job, you know, dead end job. I was working my dead end job, and at the same time. I was saving money and buying real estate, buying property after property. And I realized that if I spent any money on anything, it could be you know going out to eat, to go on vacations or whatever it might be, any pennies that didn't go to a rental property was that much longer until I could quit my job before I could be financially independent, not have to work for somebody else. And so I basically made it up in my mind and my wife was really fantastic at as well, being very frugal, as well as she was a great at budgeting and making sure the finances were all set. And I was basically the money maker. She was a money saver. So we worked out really, really well. She helped me to not spend very much, but I was really blessed that and not spending money like on things like Valentine's Day and other things like that, we were able to forego those things, buy more properties, and then quit my job sooner. Like you guys know, but I quit my job when I was 37 years old. And at 37 years old, I was like, man. I literally have so much time on my hands, I can do whatever I want. So blessed now to be able to be hanging out with you guys, talking on the podcast, going on other people's podcasts, and as well, creating the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I'm so blown away. We have so many, we have 27 fantastic expert investors now that are going to be in actually speaking and sharing and giving their insights at the conference. And if you guys have been to any conferences, usually the speakers fly in, they go to their one session talk and then hang out for an hour or two and then they leave. They they don't hang out the conference. These are my friends. Like this is literally a time for all of us to hang out together. These are fantastic investors. We're hanging out all weekend, Friday and Saturday. We're going to be hanging out and helping all of you to invest in real estate. You need to go I'm just telling you right on, you definitely need to be at RubeCon at the Real Estate Wealth Brothers Conference. Get your tickets and ooh, use the promo code Dustin. Use that promo code. I literally just want to help you out. Get $50 off of the ticket. The early bird pricing is going to be going up really soon, so go to R E W B C O N dot com. Rubecon.com. get your tickets because we're going to, I mean, right now we already have almost 160 tickets sold. We have fantastic exhibitors or sponsors of the conference that are services that we personally like, actually use in our business. We're sharing those guys with you. You're going to learn about multifamily or syndication, storage units. Airbnb, communal living. Like seriously, like people staying in the same house, like a bunch of people in one house together. Um, Midterm rentals, storage units, like I said, land investing, Um, how to get partners, how to get private money, how to close more deals, doing that, all the tax strategies that you need to use to save money and make even more money. I mean, it's just gonna be fantastic. You really need to be there. It's actually coming up. Like, it's less than a month away now. It's gonna be here in Phoenix. It's beautiful here in March, so you gotta get over here. So go get your tickets right away. And today, I'm super pumped to bring on a friend of mine. In fact, he is literally the first person that I called when I thought about doing the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I literally thought, okay, I need to call up my buddy because he's a great investor as well as he has a great audience of people that I want to see if he wants to be a part of creating a huge meetup, basically a big community of all of our audiences. So I literally called him up and he said, well, absolutely, 100%, I'll be in. And he's a fantastic land investor and one of the pieces of land, I guess you would call it, one parcel of land that he has now. He is turning that into a storage unit, literally building that from scratch, doing that as well, obviously learning a ton along the way. And he is going to have his own storage unit and he's going to share with us all this awesome stuff on how to invest. So I am bring on my friend Seth Williams from retipster.com. He also has his own fantastic podcast, I've been on there a couple times, as well as his YouTube channel. His YouTube channel is actually killer. You guys need to check that as well. But I bring on my friend Seth Williams from retipster.com. All right, let's go. Seth Williams from RETipster. Thank you so much for being on the show, man.
1: Hey Dustin, thanks for having me. Good to be here again.
0: So let's jump right into it. Now you're a land investor. And if anybody wants to go back and listen to how you got started and all that sort of stuff, I interviewed already. Sorry, I don't remember which, <laughs> which episode number was, it was, but it's land. Like if you're looking up anything on uh on my podcast or YouTube, just look for land. You'll find Seth. He does a fantastic job walking us through that. Now, Seth, what are you doing now with your land investing? So that you know, we can see the possibilities of other than just flipping land, which you can see buy a piece of land for less than its worth and then sell it for more. But there are other great things. So, what are you currently doing with land?
1: Yeah, so I mean, aside from just the usual land flipping stuff I've always done, probably the the most interesting new development over the past year has been. Uh, for the first time ever, I have uh, bought a residential lot and rezoned it to commercial. That's something I've never done before. And uh, the reason I've rezoned it is because I'm trying to build a, st- a self storage facility on that property, which is like a whole thing. I mean, that's like a whole big dramatic story involved in that. So, self storage is something I've always been interested in for like. I don't know, as long as like like 20 years, like even before I was big in real estate, I just, I've always seen them and been like, man, that'd be interesting to have something like that. Uh, Having no idea what's involved with that. And it was probably like four or five years ago that I started seriously thinking about it and, you know, taking various courses on the subject matter, the sort of conventional wisdom that most people say for a newbie is to go out and buy an existing self-storage facility from like a mom and pop owner who owns a dilapidated Class C storage facility, like that's the best first move. And I I think I would agree with that. That usually is the best first move. I found storage owners from the entire hour drive radius around me, and I sent mail to all of them. And uh, I think I got a total of five responses. And of everybody who responded, they all were responding because they wanted to know if I had heard back from anybody else who was selling because they wanted to buy other ones. Um, or they just wanted like ridiculous amounts, like twice as much as what their facilities were worth. So, and basically what I'm finding out is that, uh, and this is kind of a common thing nationwide, is that it's just a really hard time to buy self-storage right now. People just want crazy prices, kind of like every real estate out there right now. Normally I would never consider building new. Like I wouldn't even be in, you know, in the running, but, because of that, in looking at the cost of new construction um the numbers just kind of work, and um the uh in terms of like the margins and what the cash flow is gonna look like, it's not like amazing, but it's decent enough it's decent enough to justify you know all the trouble that's gonna go into doing this, and also I think it's gonna be like really interesting experience to to actually develop something like this from the ground up and to actually see what it's like to to build something, to rezone something, to just see what it looks like from start to finish. And interestingly, I used to work in commercial financing in my day job, you know, many years ago before I quit that. And uh, so I kind of understand that world, like what it takes to get approved from financing and, you know, what it takes to go through the construction process. So now I'm kind of on the other side of that, getting approved and getting that financing and so it's just been kind of interesting to see it from from this side of things.
0: Does it seem like it's working out in the way that you think or would you, looking back now, is it like, oh man, it would have been better to have bought one that's already built because there's a lot of red tape from the government. I mean, rezoning especially, I mean, but then all those things you need to learn, like, oh my goodness, like soil samples, like we mentioned off, off air, things like that. It's like, what is the deal? We don't normally think about that sort of stuff.
1: There's many different things you have to think about. In terms of the, the government stuff, so there can be a lot of red tape. In my case, I'm doing this in a fairly rural township. And I've actually found that it hasn't been too bad. The township has not really given me a super hard time. The zoning was like almost like a rubber stamp thing. And I think the reason it's been so easy is because where this parcel is, it's like right on the border of a commercial area. So like it makes total sense for this to change. And it, as a result of me changing the zoning and building the storage facility, the annual tax bill is going from 300 bucks a year to $36,000 a year. So like no the, way. The, the township is going to get rich off me as a result of doing it. So <laughs> they're
0: like, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So like really like when, when you really think about it, like the township wants to say yes more than they want to say no. So it, as long as you give them enough reasons to be like, yeah, like this makes sense. This guy's done his homework. This makes sense. They're going to go along with it. I think if you're talking about a place, I don't know. I've heard there's certain cities out there that make it super difficult for one reason or another, depending on what you're trying to get approved. But in this case, it hasn't been hard. Things that have surprised me that I, I just never even really knew about. Um, one example is a geotechnical investigation. I, I didn't even know this was a thing, but um, whenever you build a new uh, anything, any kind of a building, they have to take soil samples and test how soft the soil is beneath it. Because if it's too soft and they build a building that's too heavy, it can then like sink into the ground and crumble the foundation and like a facade can like sink. I don't know, like basically like the building falls apart over time. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, I I just, I mean, it makes total sense in hindsight. It's like, oh yeah, duh. Like why wouldn't you want to know that? But Prior to this, I had no idea that was a thing. So, and like that, just figuring out that, that was like seven thousand bucks for that one test. So, huh. um, and getting like a, a topographical survey to understand the contours of the land, like that was twenty five hundred bucks, and just like this and that, <laughs> just like you know, five thousand bucks here, eight thousand bucks there. You gotta have plenty of cash tucked away before you start jumping into this. And uh, and luckily, I I I did. I do.
0: How do you value? A storage unit. Is it because like a commercial property, it seems like you would go off the value of how much money it brings in. Um rental property, it's on the comps, but if you do multifamily apartment complexes, it's on the how much money all the the uh money comes in from all the properties or all the doors from the apartments. How do you value a storage unit?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Before you have the data, like Say on the day you finish construction, no nobody's in there yet. It hasn't made a dime. At that point, you value it based on how much you paid to build the thing. But after it's been in existence for a year and you have revenue, that's when you start valuing it based on the income. So I think long-term, the income approach is really what matters the most. So if you were to buy, buy any kind of existing storage facility, that income approach is what's probably going to carry the most weight. And, you know, the cost to rebuild it is definitely going to matter. Any comparables are going to matter to some extent. But the reason why people buy stuff like this is because of the income they can it's potentially get. But yeah. So,
0: Make money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, but yeah, like for the property taxes, for example, uh, the assessor, what they're going to be looking at on, you know, the day construction is finished initially is just what I paid to build the thing. But eventually what they'll switch to is how much income it's making.
0: So did you have to figure out how much. How many spaces you can have in the self storage, and then how much you could charge for each one, let alone the cost. But, like, just think of the business model year one hopefully you're going to get maybe half or more of it filled up and then you're going to continually hopefully get it filled up to where it's a hundred percent. But is that how you approached? It seems like for me, if I'm going to run a business, I need to figure out my potential income, the total, but then also figure out how much my expenses are. So how did you play that through your brain as you're de- saying, I'm going to build one from scratch.
1: There's a lot of moving pieces. <clears throat> it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like valuing a rental property, but the numbers are just way bigger. And There's a lot more moving pieces. Like, for example, this particular storage facility is going to have, I think, 260
0: units. And hey, guys, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R E N T A L to three three seven seven seven. Rental to three three seven seven seven, and I'll give you literally give you my real estate investing course, showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to. Build the business first, how to scale the business, buy the right properties, making $250 or more every single month in passive income. I'll literally just give it to you. You can get started investing right away. Text the word rental to 33777.
1: And 90 of those units are going to be outdoor parking like RV and boat storage. And the rest of them are going to be like metal garage space type storage units um and those metal storage units definitely are going to make a lot more money like those are going to bring in more income than the outdoor ones but that also requires building stuff so it's going to cost a lot more to construct those and um probably long term like to, you know once this thing is stabilized and constructed and everything is going fine eventually we'll probably build buildings over the parking space like once that's all just to, but I, I think for phase 1 we just want to get this thing built get it excavated level out the property um, kind of get that established, but, but yeah, I mean, it, in terms of just crunching the numbers and analyzing this stuff, it uh, has a lot to do with like what is the cost of steel right now? How much is it gonna is it gonna cost to build this? And the cost of steel' has been going all over the place. It went up like a hundred percent this past year, which has been a big a big unexpected thing and uh and like property taxes are another huge thing that like I have no control over like it. <laughs> and, it, and it's, uh, you know, 36,000 bucks a year and it doesn't really have any
0: $3,000 a month in taxes. Oh my yeah. goodness.
1: Yeah. And it's like, whether there's
0: property taxes alone, there's so many other taxes and fees you're going to have to have.
1: I know. And it's like, whether tenants are in there or not, it doesn't matter. It's like that expense is coming out. And, um, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to like, what else there is like snow removal. And, uh, I'm going to be using a company called easy storage solutions, which is handles like the website, the automatic payments have a call center I think that's gonna be like 19 thousand bucks a year so just different things like that and it, it all kind of adds up and the numbers sound like really big and scary because it's bigger than anything I've ever done but it, again it's sort of it's similar to a rental property you just like add a, a few more zeros to the end of it it's just like <laughs> every, every, everything just scaled up because it's a much bigger operation
0: now the idea of managing something like that, do you have like an on site manager for that? Or is it something that's going to be all, you know, it's so like a code get in and you don't have to worry about somebody actually being on site?
1: Yeah. So this one's going to be built with no office on site. So there's going to be a, a gate to let people in and out with a little uh, key code thing to let people in. So with that key code, everybody's going to have their own individual code assigned to them. So we're going to know who's coming in and who's going out. There's also going to be security cameras just. You know to see who's coming in and going out, um, and I live 15 minutes away from this thing, so it's not hard for me to get there. I'll also be finding you know what they call boots on the ground, probably you know within a block or so from the place, so they can check on it on a daily or weekly basis. Um, it's not too expensive to hire those kinds of people. It's funny. I, I've uh, I'm a part of several different Facebook groups for storage facility owners, and um, I saw somebody ask on there the other day, "How many people out there?" Uh, manage storage facilities on a part-time basis? And I thought it was a really good question that I hadn't even thought to ask, but like everybody does. It was crazy. Like almost everybody in the group, that was their situation. And one person's like, yeah, like for the past 13 years, I've, I've I've managed, you know, 150 units and it takes me no more than five hours a week. I work 60 hours a week and it takes me five hours a week to do that. So it's, it's totally feasible to do this on a part-time basis. And I think occasionally you'll have little issues that'll blow up and it'll take a little bit more time. But for the most part, it's it's not a terribly time intensive thing, especially if you find those boots on the ground to help you out.
0: Just like in any business. And that's another thing that I'm bringing you on. Actually, In fact, I'll tell everybody, Seth, you, you know this, but you, you were literally the first person that I called when I thought of the idea of having the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. You know, an idea of bringing people together of all different types of investing, not flipping or wholesaling. That's not necessarily investing, in my opinion. That's a job. Like you have to flip the next property to make more money. I don't want to do that. It's too much work. I want to do something where it worked one time and it keeps making money. But anyways, I called you up and I said, hey, Seth, this is my idea of creating a conference where we can, basically an event, we can bring all of our communities together and have our own meetup, have our own time together, because it's going to take a lot of work. Why don't I just do it for all of us, you know, investor influencers, so we can all bring everybody together. But yeah, you were the literally the first person that I called. You said, hey, it sounds like a great idea. And I'm like, man, it would be so awesome for me, definitely, but also my audience to learn about land investing. Give us a brief overview of like land investing because we've already had that whole, whole entire overview. Sorry, uh, walkthrough in the previous episode. I think it was probably like in the '60s or '70s or something like that. Episode wise, number wise, but give us a big broad overview of how land investing works and also the ways that we can make money flipping. One and you said something to me this last time was passive income. Was like, wow, you can make passive income from like give Give us a big broad overview and then how we can make money from land.
1: Yeah, well, the whole idea with the land flipping business is to find. Highly motivated sellers. It, it's kind of like uh, how you find motivated sellers with any type of real estate, but the difference with land is that it's far less far less competitive than houses. And I used to be able to say there was zero competition. I won't say that anymore. That's not really the case, but it's it's still very low competition. And part of the reason is because when most real estate investors hear about land, they just kind of put their blinders on. They don't understand it. Like it doesn't click. They don't... It's, it and seems I had this, boring
0: too, you know? Yeah,
1: and I had the same thing when I first heard about land. It was just like, what? Like, why? Like, where's the cash flow? Where's the potential? That's just boring. I don't get it.
0: I will talk to you real quick and say, I personally believe boring is so awesome. I don't want to be called by my property manager. I don't even want to talk to them for months at a time. I just want to get a check. That is the most boring thing because I could go do fun things <laughs> without worrying about my business. So I, I interrupted, but I want you to keep going.
1: Yeah. And with vacant land, there is no property manager. It's just dirt. So it's, uh, I mean, there's literally no people at all, uh, except for the person you're buying it from and the person you're selling it to. And, um, it's, it's just a matter of understanding where and how to find these people who own land and don't want it. And these people are all over the place. They're in your backyard or my backyard. And there are places where you can find it, these lists of property owners and download them and send them mail and say, Hey, I see you own vacant land. I'm looking to buy vacant land. Let me know if you want to sell it. And people, you know, granted, It takes a lot of mail to find these people, but people will respond and call you back. And you can even send them blind offers, we call it in the industry, where you literally the first piece of mail you send them is a low offer and it's a cash offer. And a lot of people, again, in numbers, will respond to this stuff and say, yes, I'll sell my property. And this is how people buy land free and clear for anywhere from 10% to 40%, sometimes 50% of market value if they're getting really courageous. But when you once you own land like this, you can turn around and sell it for anywhere from you know fifty percent to eighty percent of market value, maybe even a hundred percent and uh again there's there's no loans involved because if you're able to buy land for a super cheap price uh you don't need loans and i've I've literally never taken out a loan ever for a vacant lot that I've bought and um it's just a it's a beautiful thing when you can buy a vacant lot and I mean, preferably the goal is to try and sell it as quickly as you can. But if you want to, you can leave it alone for 10 years. And when you come back and see it again, it's no different than when you left it. I mean, it's just land. In terms of passive income. So what most people will do if they want passive income, and you don't have to do this. Some people just sell it cash. But what a lot of people will do is they will sell that property with seller financing. Because remember, you bought it for cash. So you own the thing free and clear and when you sell it on terms you can collect a down payment and then collect installment payments for the next year, 3 years, 5 years, however long you want. And the cool thing about that is that you can collect most of your investment on that down payment and then for the next however long, all the payments you get are pure profit. And the downside of this is that it takes a while to get all your profit back, but it creates cash flow. And you know, in the mind of this uh, borrower, it's their property, so they're not going to be calling you with all their problems. So it's it's kind of like a rental property in that you know it's a, a, a source of cash flow. The differences, though, are that it's not going to last forever. Eventually, they're going to pay off and it's going to go away. And it's also you know it's it's not it's not as big of a payment in most cases. So you would probably need you know five of them or something to you know if each one of us maybe like a couple hundred bucks, you need a little bit more, but. That's one way you can uh, create passive income with land. Another way would be to like buy a mobile home lot and uh, lease that to a mobile homeowner. You could lease your land to a a billboard company, to a cell phone uh, tower uh, company, that kind of thing. Uh, Solar, uh, solar power company. There's all kinds of ways you can make money from land this way. A farmer, I mean, it's kind of about understanding what kind of land you're looking for, what can be done with it, where can you find that kind of land and with tools like DataTree, you can filter lists of properties specifically based on the zoning and what it can be used for. So it's actually a lot more efficient and feasible to find lists of these types of properties than you might think, uh, especially if you know you know what counties in which you're looking for and, and how, this, how this can be done. So there's like a whole science behind this and some people have become masters at this stuff. But the point is, uh, vacant land, if you kind of understand... You know, what types of properties you're looking for, whether you want to go for cash flow or just flipping for quick cash, It's uh, it brings so many advantages to the table that other real estate investing strategies just can't do. They're way harder. They require a lot more risk. I mean, I, I know household sellers who spend 10 times more on marketing and just take massive risks and sometimes lose huge amounts of money that like a land investor just doesn't have to do. Because the competition is just not there. They don't have to fight against the clock in the same way.
0: The people that are owning the land, sometimes they just inherited it. They're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. I just got a tax bill I got to worry about. And they all of a sudden they got, oh, hey, I'll give you, I don't know, 500 bucks for your 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 vacant lot. And you're like, oh, okay. It's better than spending that much money in taxes. Let me just go ahead and get rid of it.
1: Yeah, many times that's the case. And, and I think w- one thing just to illustrate the point is when you look at all the land in the U.S., 6% of that land is developed. So we're talking, again, all the land of the U.S., 6% is developed. That's what all the real estate investors are going after. And even less than that are considered houses that most people are you know targeting. So of the rest, that, what is it? 94%? Granted, a lot of that is government land and other stuff that we can't go after, but a bunch of it is vacant land that we can go after that most real estate investors just don't even have it on their radar. So it's just this like vast ocean that we have access to that a lot of other real estate investors are just kind of blind to. So it's a, it's a really cool opportunity. And for the few people who are willing to go after it, it's a, it's sort of a blue ocean in a lot of ways.
0: So everybody needs to go to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference to learn more about this with Seth, as well as he and I are literally going to be walking the halls and talking to people. I, you can definitely tell I'm I'm very extroverted. Seth's a little more introverted, but Seth is fantastic at uh, helping people, and so he's definitely going to be around helping everybody. So you definitely want to go to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference as well as learn from Seth. So Seth, people are going to want to uh, you know listen to your podcast. I've been on your podcast a couple times. Um, you know, check out the, your, your YouTube channel is fantastic, Seth, by the way. So keep it up there and his website's fantastic. So how can people find you, Seth? Cause they're going to want to, to get hold of you or listen to everything you put out.
1: Well, uh, re tipster.com is sort of like the main home base, but if you're on YouTube, you can check out, you know, search for re tipster. That's our YouTube channel. Uh, the re tipster podcast. R-E-Tipster on Facebook, R-E-Tipster on Instagram, wherever you are, just look for R-E-Tipster and you'll, you'll probably find something from me out there.
0: Love it. Yeah, definitely check out his podcast too because it's it's really, he's got a lot of great people on there. Now, Seth, I'm super pumped to hang out with you again yeah, at too. the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And so everybody, you got to get your tickets, rubecon.com, R-E-W-B-C-O-N com. It's going to be here in March, which is coming up pretty quick. And it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out together with everybody. So Seth, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you it. You
1: bet. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Appreciate it.
0: And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777 R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my real estate wealth builders group coaching, get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya.